0: good evening everyone uh this podcast is going to be short hopefully i will try to be concise i'm going to explain the food crisis hopefully in a way that you will understand the need to prepare a victory garden yourself and if you don't know what a victory garden is i'm going to explain it and hopefully you should know what one is by the end of this podcast Uh, before we get into it we're going to pray dear father lord we thank you for today we thank you for your many blessings we thank you for what you've done for us what you've given us we thank you for the um that you've not given us the spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind we're able to think logically and follow you in faith and exercise our faith through our actions Pray that you'd give us the strength to stand up against the wiles of the devil, the fiery darts, the wicked, uh, the wickedness, the, the spiritual wickedness in high places. Help us to be strong and of good courage, as you told Joshua in Joshua chapter one. You told him three different times in the first fifteen verses to be strong and be courageous. And this time when we know our government is attacking us at all fronts. And help us to step up and to be bold, be brave, and to support our families and communities as we should. And we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. regard to food shortage yes we did talk about food shortages and uh and it's going to be real The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon russia it's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well including european countries and our country as well all right did you hear what he said bumbling biden um this whether you're i'm not political i'm more like a christian who sees my country being attacked and being convicted by god to do something about it Uh, i love my country i love the people here and i love my family and i'm not going to sit idly by while these corrupt politicians are destroy the place so i'm going to show you a way to uh help Push back and i'm going to show you some of the evidence that they are t- tearing this place apart there's going to be food shortages but it's all deliberate our government is attacking i'm even on a government watch list i'm like on the cia fbi um watch list because i'm a domestic terrorist now um um pandering uh miss dis and malinformation uh so my channel's being restricted channels being deleted um are even now have fact checkers coming out about these uh, um, food processing plants that have gone up in smoke and a couple of them have been hit by planes there's fact checkers saying oh that's not This is conspiracy. Uh, we normally have 10 to 15 food processing plants catch on fire every year as what one said. But the fact is that these things are being burnt to the ground and the accelerators acceleration on these plants are to the point that they're unusable by the time the fire department gets to these plants. Um, they're done. They're burn up. No more food. Um, so there's a list. I've got a list here of six plants. I'm going to read through, um, March 24th, 2022, the Penobscot McCrum potato facility in Belfast, Maine. The massive fire, which is reported to have started in one of the Friolator machines, caused smoke so thick the active flames weren't visible. The McCrum family plant grows, cares for, harvests, stores, ships, and processes potatoes. The family is still determining the next steps for the factory and how to support its employees. March 28th. um, This is all this year. Maricopa, Arizona Food Pantry, a reported 50,000 pounds of food, were destroyed after a fire engulfed the food bank just 15 minutes after it had closed. The 20-year-old food pantry has provided weekly meals for nearly 1,200 families. The organization plans to replace the trailers with a warehouse and it'll serve as a soup kitchen to feed the hungry. Thunderbird Fire Chief Alan Alcott said he is not sure of the cause, noting there are indications that an animal under one of the trailers may have chewed and shorted out some of the wires causing the blaze. March 31st, Rio Fresh, Inc., San Juan, Texas. The third generation family farming operation grows packs and ships many Texas-grown items, including Texas 1015 Sweet Onions, and cabbage, kale, melons, and greens. The massive fire overtook the company's 100,000 square foot new fresh onion packing facility. Um, notice it says new facility. Considered the state's largest, the cause of the structure fire is still under investigation. April 11th, East Conway Beef and Pork Conway, New Hampshire. A massive fire destroyed the butcher shop and meat market. Neighbors helped to corral cattle freed when the fire broke out. Uh, Investigators from the New Hampshire Fire Marshal's office are still trying to figure out how the fire started. The same facility burned 10 years ago. Uh, April 21st, General Mills plant in Covington, Georgia. Two people died after a plane crashed into an empty lot at a General Mills plant in Covington, Georgia. You used to store tractor trailers, witnesses believed the aircraft had trouble gaining altitude when it suddenly veered right and immediately came down into the lot. The plane appeared to explode upon impact, catching several empty trailers on fire due to the crash. The police captain said that many lives were saved because the plane did not directly crash into the plant as it crashed about 300 feet away from the plant. The NTSB is investigating the crash. Um, April 18th, in Azure Standard Defer, Oregon, the headquarters of the Azure Standard, a premier independent distributor of organic and healthy food was destroyed by fire. There were no injuries. The cause of the fire is unknown and under investigation. Local news reported that records from the local sheriffs Log stated lights flickered. They heard a pop and went up there to check it out. And there was a fire, according to the founder and CEO David Steltzer. The loss of the facility and the impact on the company wide operations are being assessed and expected to be limited and temporary. No other Azure standard facilities were affected. Now, I read these five again. There's uh 22, possibly 26, already that have been engulfed in flames 26 food processing plants in the u.s that is just the u.s engulfed in flames and this is may 4th um, on top of the food processing plants that's not the only way that they are the government is destroying our food resources there are like the the Department of Resources for states are calling deer for the chronic waste disease, claiming that it's take, taking deer out. Um, now, personally, I am a hunter, and I've got a notice about the CWD, and I never, I hunt, when when it comes deer season, I hunt every chance I can get. And my goal is to fill the freezer, Harvest the deer that God has provided to for me for food and I harvest the deer and I vital vitalize the meat, I save the skins and I've never run into the C chronic waste disease CWD, um, but these states are claiming that it's um, taking out these deer. And what they want to do to counter this chronic waste disease is euthanize deer herds that local farmers have. Uh, this is happening in Texas where a farmer, they are um, trying to take out his deer herd um, supposedly because of a chronic waste disease um, when there's no evidence of it. And they're trying to take it out. And he himself said, the, the farmer himself a rancher said that it's political so that they're trying to wipe out the small farms. And that's what more and more evidence is showing is that the government is trying to make us vulnerable and dependent on them instead. So I, this is hope for this podcast. And hopefully you share it with your friends and your neighbors and get active and grow a garden, raise some chickens, raise some pigs whatever you can. Uh, so the problem here is numerous major food processing plants in the United States randomly, and that's in parentheses breaking out in fire and burning to the ground, uh, going up in flames due to explosions or being destroyed in some other way. And that is in the last several weeks. Um, the series of catastrophes have been going on for the last year. Um, even back to two to three years, this has been happening. So all of this is coming up, boiling to a head right now. Uh, why do you think we have shortages on eggs? Why do you think we have shortages on meat? It's because they're deliberately taking our food away. So, but we can counter it by... Stepping up, growing our own gardens and raising our own food, raising our own animals, uh, being skillful in hunting in your local area. Um, And I just want to mention this as of last year, Bill Gates, the co founder of Microsoft, has purchased up to 269,000 acres of farmland, making him the biggest private owner of farmland. Bill Gates, as you should know, uh, is not not a doctor, but he's pushing vaccines. He makes vaccines, and he's he pushed the COVID vaccines, which are killing thousands of people. Um, that are and those that have taken the vaccines on the on the verge of a huge die-off because of these vaccines. Those that have taken the shots, um, there's a verge of a huge die-off because of it. They are very deadly, and on top of the food shortages, so the pandemic caused people to be afraid to fall for the shots and take them, and it's wiped out, according to the VARES reporting, which is only 1% of actual reports. Um, it's probably 400,000 people. That's probably minimum that have died from these shots, but the government is suppressing it and lying to you and blaming something uh, something else on the death rather than the va- the jabs. Uh, so the, the government is not our friend. We need to wake up to that and realize that we have been taken over and we are in a communist country, according to our government. Anyway, so hopefully the American people will wake up pretty soon and take our country back before it is too late. But the government's agenda is to take us over, and I can see that myself in what's happening. There are literally, literal food shortages that are deliberate. The pandemic was caused to create confusion, to create supply chain issues, to create parts issues, to create food issues. Uh, Farmers are, you know, throwing, killing, euthanizing their animals, throwing away milk, and The government's paying people to stay home instead of work these jobs. It's deliberate. On top of that, they are using PCR tests on animals and claiming that they have the bird flu or swine flu or some other avian flu and they are forcing farmers to kill their animals. Uh, Example is... A a farm in Rembrandt, Iowa. Rembrandt Enterprises is laying off 135 employees at its egg-laying plant in Buena Vista County. The plant is home to over 5 million hens, was hit by a highly pathogenic avian influenza last month. I think this was March. Um... Under the Work, Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act, employers are required to report mass layoffs. Rembrandt Enterprises reported its layoffs on April 5th to Iowa Workforce Development, according to the agency's WARN log. Uh, it is not known how many people are employed at the egg-laying plant, which is one of the largest in the nation. We have egg shortages here, and I was listening to... Uh, I heard, I think, a senator speaking to Glenn Beck saying that in D.C. he couldn't even get eggs for breakfast. In D.C., the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship has not identified any facility impacted by bird flu, but a county official and area poultry farmer in the region identified Rembrandt as the Buena Vista facility where 5.3 million egg-laying hens were euthanized after the virus was detected on March 17th. Notice the Iowa Agriculture and Land Stewardship did not identify any facilities impacted by the bird flu. Uh, someone is saying that is this was the Buena Vista facility. Think, listen to this. 5.3 million egg-laying hens were euthanized. Now, they're not only doing that to chickens but they're doing it to hogs as well and they're using the pcr test and forcing farmers to kill their animals so i'm just warning you that the government is going to do this and they're using u.s marshals and they're using the fbi um i don't know they might even use dnr but that's state so maybe they won't uh the dnr will be smart enough not to do that um but one example that I heard about, is uh, his name was uh, Amos Miller in Pennsylvania. He's Amish, and he raises cattle. And the U.S. Marshals came to his property, confiscated his meat because he sold clean meat that doesn't have the vaccines or any GMOs in the meat at all. It's clean, non-toxic, and... Which the the customers he sold to, you know, signed an agreement, understanding that this was the kind of meat that he grew. And the U.S. marshals came and raided his farm, confiscated his stuff, and he's going to be fined with thousands of dollars, and they're going to try to force him um, to stop growing cattle and stop raising food. Uh, so they're warning the local farmers in the area to be prepared for this. Hopefully, we really need you to share this with as many people as you can so that Americans, we can uh, support each other because this is actually happening. There's not, it's not conspiracy. Uh, they're using the government's, the if you know anything about the Great Reset, it's a they're pushing a one world government, so they're all working in sync. And in Moscow, the Russian news agency, um, the Russian Defense Ministry obtained information about a US project UP four. Um, On research of particularly dangerous infections of migrating birds, including H5N1 flu and Newcastle disease, which had been developed in Ukrainian biological laboratories, head of Russian nuclear chemical and biological protection troops Igor uh, Kuryov said Thursday, um, this was March 10th, they had found biological weapons in Kiev, Kharkov, and Odessa. And what they're learning in these bioweapons labs is that they're taking diseases like the H5N1 flu here in Newcastle disease, and they're making them more deadly. What they did with this one, or or one similar, um, may not be that exact H5N1, um, but let me tell you about the Spanish flu so you get an idea. The Spanish flu is a virus that killed between 20 and 50 million people 90 years ago. That would be 1918. It was history's most devastating outbreak of infectious disease. Uh, Researchers have identified a set of three genes that helped underpin the extraordinary virulence of this 1918 virus. Well, guess what these bioweapons labs are doing? They're taking these viruses that are already dangerous and using gain of function and making them even more deadly. Uh, These flus that they're playing with attack the lungs and they are attempting to wipe out our food with these viruses. Now, in some cases, they're... As I mentioned earlier they're using a PCR test which doesn't even detect COVID and they're claiming that they found they found bird flu with these tests and causing forcing farmers to kill off their animals so do not fall for it if your animal is sick you're going to tell your an- see that your animal is sick and you use your own your own discretion to take out the sick animals you don't kill your ho- your whole herd that's insane Um ASV is posing a threat to pork industries. Um they've uh wiped out hundreds of thousands of hogs in the past year or so. Um there's seven hundred or seven hundred and fifty um farms and I can't remember if it's in Maine or Pennsylvania. But I credit this info to Bards FM, Scott Kesterson. He mentioned this and that um, the state, I can't remember which state, but they convinced the farmers that human waste was viable for fertilizer in these 750 farms and it poisoned the farms to the point that they're not usable. They can't grow any crops on these farms. And it's gonna take about five years to clean that soil. Uh, so I encourage you to start growing wherever you can, say your back porch, your windowsill uh, You have room and if you think about it and you want to eat because t- to live, uh, I believe you can make room. There's a lot of ways to grow food. Hydroponics is one way you can do that without dirt. Um, there's a lot of different ways. And I just encourage you to share this with everyone you know and encourage them to start a garden if they haven't. Um uh, so the, the the place that I live in now I've been here my wife and five kids we've been here for three years. Um so for the three years we've had a garden and I'm learning a lot on what to plant, how to plant it. Um I grew up um, in Alabama. As you know, I'm, my parents are missionaries, are home missionaries, so we moved around a lot. But one thing I do remember is that we had a garden in most every place that we went. And my family in Alabama, they st- still have a farm, still have several uh, tens of acres, it used to be 200 to 200 or so acres of land that they grew cotton on in the early 1900s and later turned the cotton into cattle and raised cattle ever since but my as far back as I can remember my family has always had a garden has always grown stuff and my granddaddy Roy he actually um, getting up in his 80s he was 83 at the time I believe was he had a stroke and it kind of debilitated him from there but it was he actually got the stroke while he was in the garden tilling it up with an old tin tiller um Briggs and Stratton I was there when it happened and so to the to the point that he couldn't anymore he planted a garden and provided food for his family and I've never forgotten that i've never lost sight of that now i'm not as as a i'm not as good of a gardener or farmer as he was but i'm learning so and he he was in world war ii and i respect him greatly and for the influence and what he instilled in me well in the the years that the lord blessed me with with um knowing him and speaking of that, I want to explain what a victory garden is in case you don't un- don't know what a victory garden is, but I want to read, I think it's, uh, I've got history on America's patriotic victory garden. Now you understand that during World War I and during World War II, we didn't actually fight on our soil but this is a fight on our soil and this war is raging but it's not with guns it's not with tanks here and it's not there yet but they're trying to starve us out and the potential for mass die-offs in major cities is real so i would encourage you to do the same so i'm going to read the history of the Victory Gardens, and it's something we can start now to support ourselves, to support our communities, our families, our friends. So I'm going to read this, uh, the history here. Uh, During World War I, a severe food crisis emerged in Europe as agricultural workers were recruited into military service and farms were transformed into battlefields. As a result, the burden of feeding millions of starving people fell to the United States. In March of 1917, just weeks before the United States entered the war, Charles Lathrop Pack organized the National War Garden Commission to encourage Americans to contribute to the war effort by planting, fertilizing, harvesting, and storing their own fruits and vegetables so that more food could be exported to our allies. Citizens were urged to utilize all idle land that was not already engaged in agricultural production, including school and company grounds, parks, backyards, or any available vacant lots. Promoted through propaganda posters advocating that civilians sowed the seeds of victory by planting their own vegetables, the War Garden Movement, as it was originally known, was spread by word of mouth through numerous women's clubs, civic associations, and chambers of commerce, which actively encouraged participation in the campaign. Amateur gardeners were provided with instruction pamphlets on how, when, and where to sow, and were offered suggestions as to the best crops to plant, along with tips on preventing disease and insect infestations, The endeavor was so well received that the government turned its attention to distributing canning and drying manuals to help people preserve their surplus crops. In addition to the appeal to men and women, the Federal Bureau of Education initiated a U.S. School Garden Army, USSGA, to mobilize children to enlist as soldiers of the soil. As a result of these combined efforts, 3 million new garden plots were planted in 1917 and more than 5.2 million were cultivated in 1918, which generated an estimated 1.45 million quarts of canned fruits and vegetables. By the end of the World War I, the campaign promoting home gardens, which by then were referred to as victory gardens, had dropped off but many people continued to maintain them. Uh, It continues here. Shortly after the United States was drawn into the Second World War, Victory Gardens began to reemerge. Once again, commercial crops were diverted to the military overseas while transportation was redirected towards moving troops and munitions instead of food. With the introduction of food rationing in the United States in the spring of 1942, Americans had an even greater incentive to grow their own fruits and vegetables in whichever locations they could find. Small flower boxes, apartment rooftops, backyards, or deserted lots of any size. Amid protests from the Department of Agriculture, Eleanor Roosevelt even planted a victory garden on the White House lawn. Some of the most popular produce grown included beans, beets, cabbage, carrots, kale, uh, kohlrabi, lettuce, peas, tomatoes, turnip, squash, and Swiss chard. Through the distribution of several million government-sponsored pamphlets, fledgling farmers were advised to maximize their garden's productivity by practicing succession planting and were encouraged to record the germination rates of seeds along with any diseases or insects they may have encountered, in order to minimize waste and improve their garden's output the following year. Throughout both world, World Wars, the Victory Garden Campaign served as a successful means of boosting morale, expressing patriotism, safeguarding against food shortages on the home front, and easing the burden on the commercial farmers working arduously to feed troops and civilians overseas. In 1942, roughly 15 million families planted victory gardens. By 1944, an estimated 20 million victory gardens produced roughly 8 million tons of food, which was the equivalent of more than 40% of all fresh fruits and vegetables consumed in the United States. Um, so there you go. That's what a victory garden is. It started in World War One and continue through World War II. Uh, they have died down because emphasis is on technology these days and not on farming. Uh, I've always leaned more towards a primitive lifestyle, more of hunting-gatherer. Uh, I like being in the outdoors. I understand God created the woods. I understand that when he made man, uh, he put Adam in a garden. So gardens are very important. So I just urge you to do the same. I hope that this shows you the importance of planting a victory garden. Let's uh, bring that back. Uh, we're going to need it. Uh, we have a lot of neighbors, friends, and families we're going to need to support. Uh, Hopefully that they will, they will wake up and start their own garden and, and reserve their own food reserves. Uh, I would like to warn you to save, start putting food back. And if you don't know how to do that, I can tell you, I don't want to make this podcast too long, but you can contact me at my J M O outdoors, J M O U T D O O R S at mail dot com and if you're interested in food storage or the way i store food and put back it was last year saw the need of putting back about three months of food but now that has increased to about six months minimum to a year of food that you need to put back Uh, now some of that i think from what i can see is if you get your gardens growing get them started by the time harvest comes you'll have food to set back and store um, preserve the seeds save the seeds uh, you're going to need them for the following year to to replant so learn how to do that uh, it's not hard and I believe the Lord intends us to uh, to steward the soil and steward his earth a little better than we have been. So I hope that you'll take this advice that I've given you, share it with others. And I hope that you have a good night and God bless. <music>